and they run through our ass like shit through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. It's ridiculous that they do. That was a huge calling. Well, we didn't miss it. You know, the typical rah, 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 zip, boom, bye, boom. You don't cuss. You don't drink. So what are your vices? I have been known to, uh, to chew a bit of tobacco when I get a little tired or watching film. Hey, I'm Cole Joe. I just love my Hummer. I have my Hummer. You need a Hummer. Tell them about it, Jojo. They've won the biggest championship, and that's a championship of life. Gas control. Everybody just do your job. You understand that? Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy. <laughs> Did you get your fill of Saturday spring game action this uh, weekend here, Shane? What a fantastic weekend, Mike. My, my boy stayed healthy. Got to see all the games. Um, Tiger Woods winning his championship. Found out Nick Saban is not a robot. He is a human after all. So this thing is going good right now, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you missed the big news there from Tuscaloosa, apparently Nick Saban's going to have to have, he didn't say surgery, but I think that's obviously what he was alluding to. He's got issues with his hip, so he's going to be out of commission. He's going to be off the golf course here for about six weeks, which kind of would indicate he is having hip surgery. Thoughts on uh, Saban revealed not as a robot, Shane? Well, he's been boning us for 10 years, Mike. I figured the hip would be the first thing to go. Well, speaking of Saban, Shane, before we get into the Alabama spring game, we're going to go in order that the game's kicked off. But we did want to start off with this clip, Shane. And this is why Saban's the man down there in Tuscaloosa. He talks about the winners of the spring game meal. And, of course, he gets to eat with the winners, regardless of, <laughs> of what side it is. There's a meal at stake today for the winners and the losers. Tell us about that. Well, that's why I'm the commissioner, so I can always eat wherever I want. But, you know, the winners eat steak, and they get weighted on. They have flowers on the tables, and, you know, the losers get a pot of beans and um, paper plates and plastic forks. I love it. Thanks, Coach. <laughs> that steak and lobster, that'll help that hip uh, Saturday day. Oh, yeah, man. He he was eating it up, son. And I tell you what, he he lit in to the coaches there in the press conference after this game and mm-hmm. said, how in the hell do you have a Heisman front runner? Well, the most, uh, the most offense players coming back probably in the conference and fail to win, you know? So he was really throwing some salt in the wound there. <laughs> <laughs> for a guy that sure hates answering questions from the media, he sure liked giving them, didn't he? Oh, God. This was, I've never seen one like this. I've never seen Saban so interactive with the crowd. You know, sometimes he gets, and he got a little bent out of shape, but uh, he reined it back in. He had some great one liners in there. So it's about 11 minutes long, which it should be. And if you get a chance, we'll put it up on the Reddit page. You should check it out. All right, Shay, you ready to go around the league, the spring game edition? Let's do it. Now let's go around the league. We haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. No, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, you just hear it over and over, and, you know, like every other or every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice. So you just, 
uh, you get used to it. It's, it's a catchy tune, right? I mean. This game's gonna be a street fight. This game's gonna be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, man, it's time. It's time to put on a hard hat, launch bail, let's get to work. All right, Shane, let's start with the Friday night action. Now, let's start with Kentucky. That was the first spring game of last week. And, you know, all these spring games, a little bit different format, Shane. And I'm going to do my best to remember how these were laid out. But I know the Kentucky one was basically the first string offense against the second team defense and the first team defense against the second team offense and they were so basically both ones were on the same side for Kentucky and both twos so we kind of got a lopsided score but I mm -hmm. think that's kind of you know if you're a Kentucky fan I think you got to be excited about that because while your team is obviously not going to be as deep and as experienced as it was last season uh, this said to me that the frontline players there at Kentucky stepping up big time in the spring game at least. And I thought the thing that stood out to me the most, you know, we talked about it all spring. The word out of Lexington, Terry Wilson, his improved accuracy. The, they messed with his mechanics a little bit, tried to improve those. And while Gunnar Hoke got all this hype, it was Terry Wilson that looked the part to me. Uh, he came out. First uh, series of the game through a 40, I believe it was a 42-yard touchdown pass to his favorite yeah. target, Lynn Bowden. What were your thoughts on the Wildcat spring game? Shoo-wee, son. Terry was bringing it. Now, I will tell you, I, I let me ask you before we jump into this game. As far as, okay, so you have the first-team offense going against the second-team defense. You have your first-team defense going against the second-team offense. Mm-hmm. My question is to you, Mike, is this the best way going ones against ones or what Kentucky did just, you know, your first against the second team? Well, I don't know if there really is a true answer to this question because I think the way these coaches kind of work it out, I would imagine different teams and not even necessarily the same year to year, but different teams have different goals to mm -hmm. exit the spring, I would think. And for a team like Kentucky, I think they really wanted to show the progress Terry Wilson had made. I think they wanted to show that, yes, they're losing some guys on defense, a lot of experienced guys. But I think they just really wanted to showcase that the projected starters for the upcoming year are going to be, you know, quality SEC players. So they really just kind of put a hurting on them mm -hmm. because while Terry Wilson looked outstanding, from what I understand, there was like a walk-on safety that he was throwing against. So, you know, I think it's a little structured. Obviously, they do know that these games are televised now, so they're not putting too much out there on film. You know, it's very vanilla. You're going to hear that about it every single one of these <laughs> spring games yep. if you watch it. I mean, they repeatedly said it over and over. So they make a point to do that. Uh, but I know for a fact that Alabama and Tennessee and Georgia – they basically structure theirs identically, and that's, of course, because they all coached under Nick Saban, so they're just doing it his yeah. way. Uh, a guy like Mark Stoops a little bit different. Uh, you know, Auburn's game was a little weird because they had some seven-on-seven -seven passing drills. They did that last year, too, but it's just everyone has a different uh, way of doing it, and I think they have different purposes. Uh, so for Kentucky, yeah, I liked it because 
it just said to me that their front line is yeah geared to go and uh, the high expectations are high there in Lexington. I agree. I, I think the more I think about it, a team like Tennessee, I think they should have went one against two as opposed to a team like Alabama and Georgia just because they're trying to find the best 11 still. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're going against, let's say you're on second team defense and you're going against the first team offense and you're making plays, then that shows the coach that maybe you're, you know, should be on the front eleven or maybe you're pushing for some depth. You know, it, teams like Alabama and Georgia, I, I don't think I think they've pretty much know what the you know the first eleven are going to be, uh, and going against ones against twos. Uh, it's just a chance to showcase and get those guys some good reps. I, I, the more I think about it, I think a team like Kentucky, uh, t- like I said, Tennessee, Auburn, I think these teams should be going one versus two. Um, you know, and not to mention it's good for the fans. They want to see, especially like Kentucky, as miserable as that offense was last year, it was a breath of fresh air to see Wilson airing it down the field, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I get what you're getting at there, Shane, but can you imagine Jeremy Pruitt and his mindset just going into his locker room and saying, hey, guys, we know Alabama and Georgia is doing it this way, but we're yeah. really looking for a handful of players <laughs> that can actually help next year. I mean, I don't think I just don't think that would fly. I think he's trying to make yeah, it more right. of a competitive atmosphere every practice, not just the yeah. spring game. So. You know, like I said, there's pros and cons to doing it each way, and uh, that's just my my take on all that. Yeah, that's good stuff. But I am I am impressed with Kentucky. I love the running backs. Uh, I thought Wilson did great. Uh, I just thought it was really balanced, and that's something we haven't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side of the coin, I'm a little worried about that secondary. Uh, I'm a little worried about the defense in general. I just thought as easy as Kentucky was moving down the field i think the depth is going to be a concern there and uh there in lexington you know yeah i could certainly see that after the game mark Sto- we don't have a clip from mark stoops couldn't find any good audio but he did note according to him that this is the sloppiest his team had looked all spring and if that's an accurate assessment i think he's got to be pretty fired up about his squad because that that's one <laughs> i know we were we were kidding around there on twitter but we actually did have this exchange where we saw Terry Wilson slinging around. You hit me up on uh, what's the over-under here and how, <laughs> how much money we're going to put on this over. So I'm very eager to see what that number is coming out here soon. I, It's not out there to my knowledge, but I expect it to be around six, six and a half. And I don't know, I'm feeling pretty bullish on the over looking at the schedule for Kentucky at this point. That's me too, and, and it's way too early for predictions, but – if it's six and a half or less, I'm going all in because I think this is a seven, at least a seven win ball club. I mean, with like you said, the schedule, the assets, the things that they got already in, in place, I think this is going to be a pretty good team. And yeah, I'm going to run down the schedule real quick here okay. for anyone that that's not looking at it. So obviously they they open at home against Toledo, win. Then they have another home game against Eastern Michigan, win. And then here's the tough one. Home game, once again, though, against Florida. Ooh, that's a loss. And then they travel, first road game of the season, at Mississippi State. I think that's a toss-up. I, I really think do. That's, a, that's a 50-50 game right now. 
And then the next game is also on the road, South Carolina, a team that I believe they've beaten five consecutive seasons. So that could be another toss up there. Yeah. Then they get uh, they get a bye week. They mm-hmm. they return home to Arkansas. That should be a win. Yeah. Then they go to Georgia. We'll just move past that L. <laughs> return home from Missouri. I think Missouri is going to be pretty good. So that yeah, that Missouri's got loss. that one. They get a bye. And then they they host Tennessee. That's a team, you know, that's a toss-up there, but that's definitely a winnable game. Yeah. At Vanderbilt, I think that's a win. Mm-hmm. UT Martin, that's an easy win. And yeah. then they play at home in the, in the season finale against Louisville, which prob- that, that probably should be a win under a new coaching tenure there at Louisville. So uh, that's, that's quite a few Ws there Kentucky's looking at, and that's before even – adding in their you know the toss-up games yeah i think i think you're looking at definitely six and then like you said i think there's a lot of 50 50 games on that schedule that they, i could easily i mean if you told me they're going to win it wouldn't surprise me so um i'm still i'm still going with that six and a half they're going to find that extra game at least in that 50 50 you know mm-hmm. so but now if they come out seven seven and a half you know i'm walking away yeah <laughs> All right, Shane, so let's go to the other spring game from Friday, and that would be Texas A&M. Of course, this game was scheduled for Saturday. Mm-hmm. I think, obviously, the attendance was hurt a little bit because they moved it the week of the game. They had to do that due to weather concerns. Uh, but, you know, still a lot of anticipation around the Aggies this season. I know they have an incredibly tough schedule. We can get, get into that in just a moment. But first play – well, not the first play <laughs> yeah. of the game, but Kellen Mond's first play. Uh, he threw a pretty bad interception. I think he got a little too excited out there. But then he came out and threw – I think he completed six of his next six and mm-hmm. like nine of his ne- next ten. He looked really sharp there after that. Uh, I thought the backup quarterback in his first spring, Zach Calzada, these guy from Georgia, is basically Jimbo Fisher's hand-picked quarterback this previous uh, recruiting that's his baby, Mike. Yeah, so that's the guy that Georgia tried to steal away. He looked pretty good. And uh, I don't know, overall, I thought the receiver, a lot of the ton of the, the receivers were out. So even with the receivers out, Kellen Mond still looked really sharp. And one guy that I saw a ton of potential for, one guy that really has to step up this next season, is the true freshman tight end, Baylor Cup. He was the number one tight end in the nation. He had a couple big plays, but he also had a really bad fumble where he wasn't protecting the ball. Mm-hmm. And with their, you know, all-conference, all-American tight end, Jay Sternberger, going on to the NFL, I think this is the guy that they really need to step up and sh- and just be ready to play because at this time last year, no one knew who Jay Sternberger was. But right. they, they quickly turned him into an all-American. I'm not su- suggesting they're going to do that for this high school kid, but they need him to be – you know, a solid player in the SEC if they're going to do anything, live up to the hype this this year at College Station. Well, yeah, I mean, that, he was Mon's safety blanket, and he still needs it. So if he's going through progressions, he's got to have that guy to check down to. I, I, I fully expect to, to see the running backs more involved. And of course, we saw a little bit of this in the spring game here, but I expect the running backs to be a little bit more involved in the passing game than mm-hmm. last year. And and that may have more to do with the tight end situation. But uh, you're right, man. He's got to step it up. He's got to have a big offseason. Yeah, and the front seven for the Aggies, I was pretty impressed for the fact that they're losing so much 
but they've got a ton of young defenders, a lot of really good talent down there. Mike Elko, he may be the most underrated coordinator in the entire SEC. It looks like he's got that unit flying around. Um, again, it's hard to read too much into all this stuff, but overall, I was pretty impressed with Texas A&M. Obviously impressed with Kellen Mond, and that's something that Jimbo Fisher hit on after the spring game. Uh, he was asked about it repeatedly. Here's uh, Jimbo's biggest comment here on Kellen's Mond performance from the spring game. Kellen threw an interception on his first play. Were you pleased with the way that he responded and led the offense? That I thought first he played step? outstanding in the day. I mean, that player, he made a great read. He just got his hips flipped. It was a second read down the field, and he's got to make a little longer throw in the opening one, but I think he came back and hit the next nine in a row, if I'm not mistaken, and it had us on a great drive coming out the second half right there. Uh, we had a penalty. We lined up wrong. We had a guy, two guys on the ball. He was moving the ball very well. He had a good two-minute drive. He made two touchdown throws. I thought he, I thought he played really well. He managed the game back. You know, they can see they had the young backs in the game. They were lined up wrong. He was moving them over, changing protection. Uh, I thought he had a great command of what he was doing uh, and where we were. Uh, I think we had about three drops on the day and behind him. And I don't think I, don't, I can't really think of uh, too many bad throws he had in the game. One there was one there late. I said I wish he'd have missed outside just a little more, but. Other than that, I thought he I thought he played really well. All right, Shane. So quarterback whisperer himself over fast talking Jimbo. He's pretty impressed by old Kalamond. Uh, yeah, and it, I mean, think about last year. How many questions were coming out about quarterbacks? You know, mm-hmm. now they're just critiquing the one they have. So uh, Mond did good. You know, he he started off with that bad interception, but I'm telling you what, man, there was. There was a moment in that game it seemed like he couldn't miss and those receivers couldn't drop and they don't even have their best studs out there. So I feel pretty pretty good about this offense. Yeah, and everything I was hearing coming out of the spring from College Station was all about how he's got the system down. And when you hear from Kellen Mond himself, basically his message was, I'm teaching the younger guys the system. And I think that's what you want to hear from a guy mm-hmm. that you, that is your entrenched starter, is unquestioned starter, you know you really don't have something mastered until you begin to teach it to someone else. And if he's already doing that in the second year of Jimbo Fisher's offense, uh, I I think that says a lot about him, and I think that says a lot about his grasp of the system. Mm-hmm. And I I think it's going to be a big year for Kellen Mond. Yeah, I do too, man. So let's look at uh, Texas A&M's schedule here while we got it. So they open. Against Texas State, that's <laughs> wasn't that a, wasn't that the one on uh, the what's that movie called with the armadillos? <laughs> yep, they're facing the armadillos. <laughs> with the, <laughs> Sinbad, I think was on the team. Sinbad's there. over there. Oh man, they're in trouble. No, that's an East win. They moved that game to Thursday, which is which is big, not for that game, but for the fact that the second week they go to Clemson. They'll have extra couple days to, you know, prepare for that one, but still got to pencil that one as a loss right now. Mm-hmm. Come back home for Lamar. That should be an easy win. Yeah. There you uh, go. They come back again at home against Auburn, which I, that could be a toss up. I know you're you're down on Auburn. I'm not that down on them. Then they go to AT and T Stadium for their neutral site annual matchup against Arkansas. That should be a win. And stupid, but yes. And then they get a bye week, and then they come home, Shane. This is going to be the game, I think, that will determine their season here. They face Alabama at home. They've never beaten Alabama at home. So this will be a big one to kind of see if Jimbo Fisher can – what he can get out of this team in year two. That's probably a loss, though. 
Do you do you, let me ask you? You were quick to call Clemson the victory, but you're not so quick to call Alabama one. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is going to be more of a toss up than than most folks think? Oh, absolutely, I do. Because well, for one, it's at home. And, yeah. I mean, Alabama's had no problem there in the past, but that was obviously under a different coach. Mm-hmm. I I think they beat A and M fifty nine to zero one time at, at Kyle Field. So. Alabama not really intimidated by that place, but it's it's obviously a different era. And, you know, we've seen it. You know, how do you beat Alabama? You beat them with a quarterback and big physical receivers. Yeah. A&M has that. Um, I don't know. I just I, – I, I, I'm down yeah. on Alabama, and but just, just slightly. <laughs> but I'm still, yeah. I'm still down on them. Oh man, they they could have they could call it the the fifteenth man, and it don't matter, Mike. I don't care how many players they put on that field. This is not going to be a ball game. I think it's going to be closer than mm-hmm. it has in the past, but I think Texas A and M is definitely on the right direction. Uh, I just to just consider them a a coin toss between Alabama. I just I'm not there yet, man. I mean, well, I didn't quite say you? coin toss, but okay. I do think. Like the spread's gonna be like twenty points, like, like that's what it's gonna be going into it. I okay. think I think it'll be a one score game though. I really do. Oh okay. Well, I I'm I'm I guess I would go if it was twenty. I, I would probably put I may put a wager in, but I just I don't know, man. Nick's gonna have that new hip and everything. He's just <laughs> I just don't think it's gonna be close, Mike. I just don't unless I see something in, in the you know what's the Alabama schedule real quick. Do you got it? Yeah, absolutely. We'll kick over to that. So they open at a neutral site against Duke in Atlanta. Cutcliffe, yeah. New Mexico State at home. Mm -hmm. Then they go to South Carolina. Then they have Southern Miss at home. They get Ole Miss at home. Then they got a bye week. Then that's that's when uh, the trip to Texas A&M happens. So they have the bye week to think about it, and then they go there. Okay. <laughs> and then they got Tennessee at home. Yeah. They got Arkansas at home. And then they get a bye week, and they get LSU at home. Whew. Then they get uh, at Mississippi State. Then they're at uh, – no, they host Western Carolina. And then they finish yeah. up at Auburn. I don't know how they got so many damn home games here. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I, I just – coming off a of bye week, you think Saban ain't going to have them boys ready? I, I just – I don't know. I, I think the more I think about it, if it was a 20-point, I'm probably going to go with Bama mm-hmm. just because I, that offense is just too dominant. Texas A&M's got too many question marks on the defense side. I mean, they got some returning pieces, but they lost a lot, man. Mm-hmm. And Alabama's not, and they're going to be hitting their stride about that time. So, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Bama on that one. Okay, let's reel back this conversation about five <laughs> minutes. Here's the rest of Texas A&M schedule. Then they go to Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Win. Then they host Mississippi State. Yeah, win. And then they host UTSA. Then they get a bye week, and then it's uh, they. Wait, who do they host? Uh, Texas San. Did you say Anto- USA. <laughs> Texas San Antonio UTSA. Oh, okay. Sorry, you cut out there. <laughs> That's a win. After facing uh, the U.S. Army, they they got they're off, <laughs> and then they get South Carolina at home. That that should probably be a win. Yeah, and yeah, then the, the the toughest end of the schedule. I don't know who Jimbo pissed off here, but A uh, and M finishes the season at Georgia and then at LSU. 
Golly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough. Is that the at home? Any of those? No, both I, those I, are on the road. It, Oh, God, yeah. Damn it, Tex. I, I was hoping that they'd have a great year, and I think they still will. Mm-hmm. But, man, that is a tough schedule, Brent. I mean, you've, you've got Clemson in there, Bama, LSU. I mean, obviously, they're going to play these teams, but Georgia, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hang in there, Jimbo. Next year's your year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, let's move over to the Saturday action. Mm-hmm. And let's start with a team that I think – you know, we had both been high on this team, but they really impressed us. Missouri, led by Kelly Bryant, the transfer from Clemson. Man, this guy looks sharp all game long. Clearly, he's going to bring an added dimension to this Derek Dooley, Missouri offense that they've ne- they've not had with Drew Locke. And I can't even think of the last time they had a quarterback like this. Maybe you have to go all the way back to Brad Smith back in yeah. the, you know, sh- you know, Big 12 days, whatever. But, um, man, Kelly Bryant looked sharp. And mm-hmm. I, th- I thought the defense actually looked sharp, but it was just Kelly Bryant making such great plays. He's got all these receivers that looked really good. And mm-hmm. by the end of the game, I realized, you know, how much better is this offense going to look when they have Albert O, their outstanding tight end? He didn't even suit up for this one. He was sitting out as a precaution. I mean, that guy is an all-SEC caliber player. Tight end's always a quarterback's best friend. The the offensive line looked great. They have two running backs they can count on, maybe three, even if you want to go that far. I don't know, Shane. I'm I'm thinking Missouri. They may be my number two team in the SEC East coming out of spring. I was just about to say that, Mike. I, I really think this is – I mean, obviously Georgia is my favorite in the East. Mm-hmm. But that second tier, I think you could lump Florida in there. I think you can lump Missouri in there. I just – I think those are the next two because after this game, I'm telling you, I'm a believer in in uh, Kelly Bryant. I, I think he is the third best quarterback in this conference. And I know it's a spring game, and I don't want to get too carried away, but not only was he accurate, but he fits that system so well. That RPO, he's very mobile. Uh, he's going to be able to do a lot of things with his legs. And then you factor in, like you said, the tight end's not there. Roundtree, fantastic running back. Uh, the other kid, what's the other running back, the little scat back they got there? I believe his name is uh, Tyler Beatty. Uh, it's it's a deadly one-two combination with those guys. I mean, you got the bruiser, you got the speed. It's just this is going to be an exciting offense. So, yeah, after this uh, this spring game, I'm sold that those those guys are in contention with the East, man. Yeah, so let's go down Missouri's schedule here. They open, this is really weird, but they they open at Wyoming for some damn reason, but mm-hmm. you still think they got to win that one. Then they come back home. This will be a big one. West Virginia, but they're under a new coach, under Neil Brown, so still got to think that uh, Missouri will be favored in that one. And then they have Southeast Missouri. I'd never even heard of that school, so that's, <laughs> that's a win. Uh, then they have another home game, South Carolina. That could be a toss-up one, but mm-hmm. I s- you still think at home Missouri would probably be the favorite. Then they get a bye week. God, it doesn't get much much more difficult. They get, they come home for Troy. Oh. And then they get Ole Miss also at home. And then they go to Vanderbilt. Then they go to Kentucky. Shane, they're going to be favored in every one of these damn games. Golly. They're undefeated right now, Mike. And then they get a bye week. 
And then they this will be the toughest game on the schedule. They have to go to Georgia, but like I said, they get two weeks to prepare for it. So, mm-hmm. so who knows what's going to be happening there. And I believe Georgia will be coming off the Florida game. So that that's and that may be their toughest game. So that's one obviously to circle. And then Missouri hosts Florida, a team they beat the hell out of last year. Yeah. They host Tennessee, another team they beat the hell out of. <laughs> and then they travel to Arkansas, <laughs> another team they beat the hell out of. So um, I don't know, Shane. I mean, not to say they're going to go 11-1 and one here, but the schedule at least suggests they'll be favored in, in a great deal of these. Well, just think about last year, man. That's uh, Missouri had a great team, and they, they blew a lot of games. Who did they? South Carolina, they had the lead. Mm-hmm. Should have had that one. Um I thought the uh, even the Georgia game, if you remember, there was moments when I was because I, I lost money. I don't know if you remember this, Mike, but I lost a hundred dollars <laughs> on this game because I thought Georgia's just gonna blow the doors off of them. But mm-hmm. I tell you, there was a moment that they were really they were really in the, that game, and so I think somebody like uh, Bryant, man, I just think he's just he's an X factor, and and if you got a game that's close, he can. You know, he could take over. It benefits Georgia that's at home, though, you know? Yeah, definitely. Another close loss they had last year, Shane, that was the Kentucky game. They were leading the whole game. And then Kentucky went down the field, and there was that phantom pass interference. They got another play, (laughs) and and they scored basically as time expired, I I believe. I think that's how that worked out. And then the bowl game, that was the one where they decided to – Make Drew Locke run for it, even though he's got... (laughs) That was so dumb, yeah. I do remember that. (laughs) So, I mean, they got crushed by Alabama, but, you know, losing to Alabama, losing to Georgia, no shame in those games. Yeah. I mean, they they nearly only lost two games last year. That's true, man. So, speaking of that, Shane, a guy that was obviously heavily involved in that, Drew Locke, before he goes into the NFL draft, he was at the spring game there in Columbia, and I thought this was interesting, Shane. He didn't call out Tennessee, but... I mean, he really did by his comments here. So let's jump to uh, Drew Locke's comments on the spring game. Yeah, no, I'm extremely happy with, with how the team held up. I know that there was, you know, opportunity for people to leave and people were definitely calling them and trying to get everybody uh, to come to their school. But I think that just shows how they kind of think of the university. If you're calling and trying to steal players, I think you're probably pretty nervous about who you're about to play this year. And uh, you know, that speaks a lot for this place. And I'm, I'm excited to watch as kind of an outsider this year and, and really pull for a team again. Because once you're in college, all you do is pull for yourself. And you know, now i got a team I can pull for college again that's you know, the university of missouri oh boy shane what do you think of this he says he's calling your boys out here don't you think yeah it needs to be calling a barber cut that damn mop <laughs> off his head <laughs> Bruh, you know what i'm saying <laughs> oh the golden goose taking his stabs i like it uh you know we don't know that he's necessarily calling out tennessee i mean yes Tennessee was calling for some of those players. Mm-hmm. Do you think any chance? I mean, we still don't know what's going on with the NCAA. I mean, there is a good chance that these guys aren't even going to get to go to a bowl game. Do you think that's going to play a part in anything or that you just think that they're jailed up like a team right now? Yeah, I mean, I think all I mean, I think they're using every single bit of motivation they can from all this. And that includes the NCAA coming after them. That includes Tennessee and who else? I mean, there was there wasn't just Tennessee, but Tennessee was prominently mentioned. 
you know, trying to steal their dudes and just the fact that no one's left. I mean, the story when this dropped, I don't know if you remember it, Shane, but it was basically like, well, where's Kelly Bryant going to go now? I mean, and it took him about an hour to say, hell, I'm staying here. It doesn't matter, you know? So yeah. I think he really set the tone. Uh, and, and yeah, it just seems like they're use, they're going to use this for fuel to, to just kind of keep them going all off season. And uh, I think it's going to be dangerous for their opponents. How, how crazy is this? This may be potentially their greatest year in a long time and not get to go to a bowl game. That's going to be, I mean, what if I'm just saying, what if they run the table, they beat Georgia, they get to go to the sec championship game, right? Or are they out of that contention? Uh, they would be out of it if they're they're banned. Oh my god! So, so even let's say it's late and they're playing Georgia, and Georgia loses, they're still probably going to get in if Missouri's the only other team. I'm not discounting Florida and all these other schools. I'm just saying hypothetically, there's a chance that they could run the table and somebody else gets to go to the SEC championship game. That mm-hmm. is unreal. Just just by telling on themselves. <laughs> oh man, make it right. How about this, Shane? If Missouri goes 8-0, setting up that epic game against Georgia, mm-hmm. and they beat Georgia, and the NCAA does not overturn this bowl ban when Missouri's sitting at 9-0, I'll get a make-it-right tattoo. <laughs> no, you won't. To bring attention to this cause, Shane, I'm willing to do it. 9-0 and Missouri. Right. we got to make this thing right. Is it the show-me state? It is. Yeah. Well, show me, Mike. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that we're going to have to wait that long to hear from the NCAA, though? It's, I, it I seems think so. Like... It seems like they drag these things out. And, you know, I've kind of joked about it, but I'm being honest as well. As long as this appeal is going, they're allowed to go to a bowl game. If they're, oh, if they're, okay. if they're sitting here at an undefeated season, I'm just appealing the hell out of it and taking my sweet-ass time because – I mean, they can go to the SEC championship. They can go to the college football playoff as long as the appeal is active. But, you know, if the the NCAA comes down the week before the season and denies it, then they can't. So that's what I'm saying. Just let that appeal ride, baby. (laughs) Oh, I got you. Yeah, I'm doing that. I'm taking my time. So they don't want – really, they don't want an answer until next year, you know. That's that's great. Smart move. (laughs) All right, Shane. So – Let's stay in the SEC East because another team I was really impressed with here, the Florida Gators, Shane. It was a really nice day down there in Gainesville. And, man, Felipe Franks, for anyone doubting that this guy was the starting quarterback or not. Yeah. I mean, he just ripped apart the defense. I think, obviously, the defense was a little bit vanilla, but if not for Felipe Franks being the biggest storyline, I think all these Florida receivers – I mean, just big play after big play. They got some speed, man. They do. Kyle Trask came out and threw a pick six. Emory Jones had a couple plays. He definitely showed potential. I'm not writing him off by any means, but the gap, it appears, from Emory Jones and Kyle Trask to Felipe Franks is, is pretty far and wide. Yeah. Uh, was that uh, is that kind of what you saw out there on the field on Saturday? Sad but true, Mike. They've got a hell of a quarterback down there. He was accurate. He was mobile. He was he's doing his progressions. I, I just thought that it was it was fantastic. I, you've got to feel really good about your quarterback, if you're a Gator fan. And I, I tell you what, Emory, I'm not a huge Trask fan. I it's 
I think he's had moments and I think he's had a shot, but I don't I don't think I think he transfers out, man, because Emory, what he was able to do with his legs when he was in there was was unbelievable as well. So don't be surprised to see Emory come in a little bit, you know, kind of like Fields last year, but hopefully they use him a little bit better with his mobility. Um, I, I think you're going to still see little pieces of him, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, this is definitely uh, Frank's game, man. Yeah, and I also thought, you know, I always have a big question mark, my biggest question mark about the Gators with the offensive line. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that they – And the running game. I, I I didn't think the running game was that well – I went that well. Yeah, the, yeah, I can, yeah, that's certainly true. And you don't know in a Dan Mullen system – I'm not saying he won't do it, but I can't recall a time where they really just threw it all over the yard. I mean, his offense – begins and ends with the running game. So they need to get that going. But I, what I was going to say is I think they kept the defense incredibly simple to give that offensive line a shot because all I heard all spring was this defensive front, front seven and the line just dominating this offensive line. And that's kind of one of the comments Dan Mullen made after the spring game. He basically put it out there, hey, they're still going to add some guys to the <laughs> offensive line. Uh, th- this audio is not great, but it was the best I could find. So here's Dan Mullen uh, talking about the uh, offensive line and, and how they're looking to add some more players here. Well, you know, I thought you saw it today. I mean, they held they held in there at times. They did some, you know, we weren't overly complex defensively today. We kept it pretty simple, just, uh, you know. But, um, you know, we still got I mean, the key is to me is, uh, you know, you come out, you watch the quarterbacks and the receivers, boy, they look like they're clicking pretty good, and we need to continue to improve over the summer. But we still have a bunch of practices before we have to play a game with that offensive line as we, you know, we got to go out and hit the road recruiting, you know, because we, we got to – we're not complete at that position yet at all for this season. Um, but uh, I, I think for us, the, the, it, you know, those guys are continue to take steps, continue to grow. We have 24, five more, or 25 more practices before we play in a game. So this is an interesting way, Shane. We saw Nick Saban did this actually last week with the tight end position. This is kind of the coach's way of putting it out there without, uh, you know, any kind of illegal recruiting and saying, hey, we're still looking to add at, at <laughs> this position. And obviously what he's saying there is, if you're a graduate transfer looking to go play in the SEC, we're open for business. Uh, do you think uh, – I, I mean, it certainly seems like Florida's going to be adding some offensive line this this offseason. Do you hear that, Mike? I do. That That is Coach refreshing the Transfer Portal website <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> I got emails yet? Uh, you know, I, I think you're right, man. This was a call. This was a call to any of those grad transfers sitting out there, maybe sitting behind somebody, uh, maybe somebody at a smaller college. They need depth. They need it now. I mean, this this offensive line looked okay, but I think you're right. I think a lot of that was by design. The defense wasn't doing anything. There was no, no blitzing. No, I mean, there was a couple little things, but nothing to overwhelm these guys up front. And I think Dan's a little worried about what he has there and the depth that he has there. Because if you remember just a couple of weeks ago, he's talking, he goes, man, I'm looking I, we basically, we don't have backups is what he was saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there was a time where they basically had, I think it was three or four early enrollees on the offensive line out there at the same damn time. So, yeah. I mean, that kind of says it all that those guys are really talented, but, 
I just don't think you want to roll them out there in the SEC play starting next season. So uh, definitely open for business there, Shane. And I thought the most interesting thing, we got to credit the Gator Reddit page for discovering the mystery here, but old Dan Mullen up to his tricks again, Shane. He he trolled (laughs) once again with the spring game attendance. Did you see this news? I did, Mike. I did. (laughs) So anyone that missed it, the announced spring crowd for Florida's orange and blue game, 39,476. And, you know, leading up to the game, Dan Mullen admits he kind of fudges these numbers not to, you know, make the crowd, you know, much bigger than anything, but really just to troll. And everybody trying to figure this out, what is 39,476? People couldn't figure it out. Well, we'll give this guy a shout out here on the, on Reddit. This is user Cam White underscore guy. He's figured it out, Shane. <laughs> so what's it is? 39 years since Georgia's won a national championship, which came back in 1980. And the Bulldogs have played 476 college football games since that oh, time. Oh, Mike. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> oh, golly. How bad does Georgia hate Florida right now? <laughs> I may just go to this. Let's go to this one. This this Florida Georgia line. This the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. We're there, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you're seeing Georgia fans kind of respond with the fact that you know, obviously they've controlled that game the last two years, but in reality, I mean, I'm not trying to discredit what Georgia's accomplished because I mean they by the end of the day they are winning by large margins here mm-hmm. if you go back and watch that Florida Georgia game I mean this was in the this was back when Felipe Franks I mean it wasn't that long ago we were talking about this it was only five or six games ago but he was incredibly shaky he was overthrowing receivers I mean if, if they were dialing up plays open touchdowns that he cannot hit <laughs> if he hits one or two of these. I mean, this is a completely different ball game. So uh, this is quickly developing into a, a, a really great rivalry once again. So, uh, I, I hey, I, I'm all for this. I hope Kirby Smart does something <laughs> in retaliation this week. I really hope he does. Oh, I tell you what, man. This is something else. This is something else because it's one thing to to pick on Florida State, you know, as, as down as they've been. But – now you're now you're picking on you, you know your your buddies up north and I don't know this is going to be a hell of a game Mike this this thing is going to be ugly by the time it starts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, let's kick it over to the SEC West for another spring game here on Saturday, and this is uh, Auburn, Shane. Where obviously the big story going into this one was the quarterbacks four man competition allegedly in the spring. And a lot of people think it's down to two guys, the redshirt freshman Joey Gatewood and the true freshman Bo Nix. But I think you and I may have been maybe most impressed with the elder statement, statement there, uh, statesman there, the junior Malik Willis. I thought he looked pretty good. What would you think, Shane? Yeah, and this is one of those those games where the first offense was going against the first defense. So here you got the first offense rotating between Joey and Bo. Mm-hmm. So that tells me, I don't know what it tells you, but it tells me that this may be a two quarterback race as opposed to a four. But then you got Willis coming out on second team offense and just picking them apart. I mean, he that first drive he went down and scored a touchdown. I was like, 
whoa, maybe this guy belongs in the first, you know, I think you've got to at least consider his name. As mobile as he is, he fits Gus's offense. Uh, not the biggest guy in the world, but I really love the production. And and maybe this had more to do with him being there a while and used to the the big environment, you know, and, and Joey and Bo were a little bit slow, but they also looked pretty good as well. Yeah, not only did they look good, I mean, all three of those guys, but the receivers, Shane, I was really impressed with the receivers, uh, particularly Seth Williams. That was a guy I was not even really that familiar with. I don't recall him stepping up. I, you know, I looked him up a little bit, and he did. He started to come on last season. So I think the light bulb probably came on for him at the end of the season. You know, you don't want to read too much into these spring games, but he just looked really good. And this, of course, Anthony Schwartz, their their burner. He's he was not even there this spring. Mm-hmm. So you add him to the mix. Uh, Booby Whitlow, the running back. You know, he obviously was their main guy last year. It looks like he is once again at running back. Um, whoever that quarterback is, he's going to have some weapons. Uh, but I think just reading in between the lines here, I think they really want Joey Gatewood to be the guy initially. He's more the, you know, he gets compared to Cam Newton, which is not really fair, but they're built, built physically the same. Yeah. He's not throwing it as well as Cam Newton, but I think if you roll with that guy, that guy fits a Gus Malzahn system. Because in Gus's system, I mean, it's it's a, obviously a lot of running with the quarterback, and they scheme open a lot of these receivers. As long as you can throw it down the field to hit open targets, you should be fine. It's not exactly a precision passing game, mm-hmm. whereas Bo Nix kind of does fit that. So it, mm-hmm. that's the interesting part where, I mean, they're getting – it'd be one thing if they were recruiting all the same quarterbacks, Shane. They're recruiting like the statuesque quarterbacks and then guys that can just run I don't, I don't know what in the hell they're thinking <laughs> with that but uh what are your thoughts on that i mean do you think given their, th- given their schedule they're gonna they're gonna roll out a true freshman no i don't i think this is joey's um you know if worst case scenario you can always put 40 pounds on him and put him on the line i mean this is a big <laughs> old boy uh and and that's one thing that wasn't fair because this was pretty much a, a tag quarterback situation so once you tag him i guarantee you ain't going to get joey down with one hand you know he's going to be one of those guys that falls forward gets four three or four yards every time uh, I, i'd love to see you know one thing he gus talked about was possibly making this live which i kind of wish he did mm-hmm. just so we could have really seen uh some of his attributes but there were some passes he made that were really all the receivers. If you look at a couple of the touchdowns that were thrown during this game, one I think was from Willis. It was that first touchdown. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was more the receiver than it was the quarterback. And same thing with Joey's touchdown. If that would have been a little bit different or if there would have been a different receiver running that route, that may not have been a touchdown. It may have been a pick. So it just seems like Joey was trying to – find the the home run uh, when he was throwing the ball which kind of scares me uh you know because that's probably going to turn into a lot of turnovers if you're mm-hmm. going against a first team defense in the sec the running backs boy i tell you what I, I, I they're deep and that's something auburn you know that's what they're known for and it just felt like they finally got a little depth there on that side of the ball so i like the weapons around them like you said it's just finding that quarterback and it seems like we, we do have a two-quarterback race going into fall. Yeah, so let's jump to what Gus Malzahn had to say here about Joey Gatewood. I mean, this is a guy that he's 
basically praised all spring about his progression from this time last year to now. And I don't know. I, th- I wonder if he's doing a little, you know, trying to build him up through the media because he, he probably knows these guys are, are seeing the headlines and whatnot. But just time and time again, he's, he's quick to sing this guy's praises. You think you think Joey looked a whole lot more confident out there uh, than what we saw kind of from him last season? Oh yeah, you know, and, and like I told you, I guess you know last week he's he's a different quarterback than he was at this time last year. Um, he does have more confidence. Um, you know, he uh, really has has been focused and and really desperate to win the job, and so he's had a, a very good spring. Um, and like I said today, he made some some explosive plays, and you know when you let him go live, you know that it's a little bit different too. You see Joey out there throwing the ball around like mm-hmm. he did today. Are you, are you kind of proud of, of how far he's coming to you? Yeah, yeah. Of course, when we recruited him, we, we really felt like he was talented. Um, you know, last year, you know, of course, he was a true freshman. His head was spinning, and we asked a lot of him because Stidham wasn't there, so he got a lot of reps. And um, you know, he was with our twos too. He didn't get a really a chance to show what he could do with the ones, but um, you know, he's got a really live arm. Um, you know, and he's real desperate to win the job. Like I said earlier. And uh, I said, when you let him go live, um, you know, there's there's a big difference. So am I reading too much into that, Shane, or do you <laughs> kind of agree with me there? No, I, I'm with you there. I, I think this is your guy. Um, I think he hopes Bo comes along. And don't be surprised if Bo takes the, the reins four or five weeks in. You know, this is one of those – just feels like it, it, it's going to be one of those type of situations. So, But I, I don't know. I mean, a big guy like this – I think he's going to fit Gus's offense, so I'm, I'm eager to see. But he's really ne- he really needs the one reps, and, and we don't need to be splitting it uh, between four people, which I think the fourth guy's out, right? Sand Sandbar or Sand whatever his name. Cord Sandberg, yeah, yeah. Uh, no need to learn his name, Shane. He's not going to be the guy. Yeah, yeah. So he's gone. So at least we've got it narrowed down to three. But I really think this is two man thing, and, and Gus sounds to me like he's leaning a little more Joe, just as much as he talks him up. All right, Shane, sticking in the SEC West, let's jump down to Starkville. Mississippi State held their spring game. It was was a a game that featured a lot of bad weather there in Starkville, (laughs) so may not have uh, gotten the weather that the coaching staff wanted. And I don't know, Shane, we've kind of talked about it. Old Keaton Thompson, not exactly totally impressive. I didn't think it was quite as bad as you did, but – the main thing that jumped out to me immediately, and this is going to be something that I think is going to continue in the next season based on just the spring game, these receivers cannot catch the damn ball, Shane. Oh, and man. This is, I never this is seen going so on many three dro- years now. I've never seen so many damn drops in my life, man. That Maybe that's why they got 10 tight ends, Mike, because they're <laughs> going to put them all out there and throw it to them because them wide receivers dropped multiple multiple passes right there on their hands just beautiful balls and and i know that the weather was a factor but damn you got to help your quarterback out yeah one thing i really wanted to ask you shane uh what was with some of these mississippi state players wearing grocery bags over their jerseys (laughs) (laughs) yeah i thought about that because like they would like get behind them. It's so windy. It's like, no wonder they're throwing interceptions, you know, hell, I thought they were on this team too, you know? So you could, I, I'd like how a lot of these teams did. They, they had like the blue, like Auburn had, what they have blue and white. Mm-hmm. And then the and quarterbacks, then the quarterbacks were, I think they were orange. Yeah. So, and, and then you went to Florida, the same thing. I think it was, 
orange and blue and then the quarterbacks were white or something like that or mm-hmm. what was their color anyway you know it just seems like they had a plan and these guys like you know realized right before kickoff that uh we can't tell these guys from the other ones so sent them down there at the dollar general to grab the cheapest things they could find so uh, but anyway, that makes it a little tough on your quarterback and your progressions if you can't tell who's on your team, you know? Yeah, so it, it didn't really help the quarterback play there. Uh, I did like what I saw from Garrett Schrader. In, I don't know, Shane, I just continue to think that if Keaton Thompson does not establish himself early, I know he's already won the locker room, but hell, Shane, if he's not getting it done on the field, yeah, that's I, my. I, I don't know. I I think they got to move on to Maiden or uh, Schrader at some point if that happens. Schrader wasn't perfect, but that one, the one right before he threw that pick, he threw that beautiful pass there in the back left end zone, mm-hmm. and, and the guy didn't catch it. You know, so if he would have caught it, that would have been a touchdown. We wouldn't have had to pick on the next one. So I can't blame Schrader. He's a little frustrated. You know, he's got to really get it in their bread basket so that they catch this thing. But I, I'm I'm a fan of Schrader. The more and more I see of him, I just think that's what Mississippi State needs, man. They they need something different. We we had we had a mobile quarterback last year that averaged what five yards a pass or something like. We don't need that again this year. We need somebody that can that can win games. And uh, so I, as much as I love Keaton, I, I pumped him up last year. I just, I don't know. I'm not a fan. Yeah. I think the most impressive thing I saw from Mississippi state's spring game was Kylan Hill. He just looked even better than last year. I mean, this guy, we, we know the running back, he's got so much potential. And last year, I think they just didn't give him the ball enough. And it was mm-hmm. kind of the Nick Fitzgerald show sometimes too many times. And now I think they're going to be forced to give Kylan Hill the ball more, and that's probably going to be a good thing for Mississippi State because, you know, they recruited, you know, when when he when Joe Moore had got the job, I think they kind of sold him on being the Saquon Barkley of the offense, mm-hmm. and I, I mean that's an unfair, you know, guy to have to live up to. He's not that, but he's not by any means, uh, you know, off the radar of that either. So if he can fit that mold. I mean, I think Kylan Hill could be one of the breakout players here in the SEC. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna have to lean on him, man. So I, I expect tons of action from him. I think the defense looked okay up front. So, I mean, there's there was some positive things in that spring game. It's just I think we've got more of a quarterback competition over there than people think. Yeah, I do too. So after the spring game, Shane Joe Moorhead met with the media. It was pretty boring. He didn't really say anything of consequence, <laughs> but we did. You know, we found some audio here, some video of uh, they named Daryl Williams captain of the offense, Errol Thompson, who I think is the most underrated linebacker in the SEC. They named him captain of the defense, Shane. So here's Joe Moorhead in the locker room after the game. Uh, naming these guys captain. This is pretty awesome. So let's jump to these clips. I said I'm going to introduce this year's captains. Uh, have them say a few words to the team and break y'all down. All right, two now, two at the end of the camp. All right, first captain on the defensive side of the ball, uh, who's done a phenomenal job and has earned the right. You talk about that through what he does on the field, what he does in the classroom, what he does in the community. All right, not nearly right, but exactly right a majority of the time. All right, your start middle linebacker, Errol Thompson. <laughs> Yes. 
I just want to say I appreciate y'all, man. I mean, we got a long way ahead of us. You know what I'm saying? Let's just keep working. That's all I got. Good job, everybody. Captain with an overwhelming majority of the vote. Uh, kind of the same thing. Dunn said ton doesn't mostly, you know, by example, but he's going to improve his vocal leadership. He's going to improve his body language. But on the field, in the classroom, everything that he does, he's a guy that you can look to and a guy that you want. Hey, you're fighting your way out. You want to be back-to-back -back with this friggin' guy. And if you're in a foxhole, you're the guy that you want with you. Darrell Williams. Hey, bro, I love y'all boys, man. Like Earl said, bro, we got a long way to go, bro. We got to continue to grow, bro. Going ahead into the summer, bro. We got to continue to ball out, bro. And continue to improve the little things, bro. Like, like Coach said, bro, today we, uh, today wasn't pretty, but we got dang, we got better as it went, bro. But I love y'all boys, man. I'll do anything for y'all, man. Bring it up. Let me know. Hey, bring it up. Grab a hand, grab a shoulder. Team on three. One, two, three, three. All right, Jay, so it's night and day different from these pressers. <laughs> Joe Moorhead falling asleep in them, it looks like. In the, in the damn locker room, you can see why the players like him. I mean, they're, they're going insane when, when these captains were named. Uh, I, I, I wish we'd see a little bit more of this in public, but... Uh, I wish he never turned it off. I wish he was like this all the time. <laughs> just coming out. Embrace your like inner coach O. the ball. They're still running laps, by God. <laughs> Yeah, we saw that a little bit too after the old Miss game. Remember how how fucking heated he was talking yeah. about trash to yeah. Ole Miss. So I think he needs to bring a little bit more of that out. Yeah, he needs to watch that blood pressure though. His face gets red. You notice that? <laughs> yeah. Worried about him. I'm worried about him. He's a big guy. He's like me. He likes to eat. And I could just tell. So maybe it's probably best he isn't yelling on these pressures. You know, it's his downtime. So, <laughs> but hey, good job on the captains though. I, I really like those guys. I always called him Earl. I, I I would not. How does he say? Errol. 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 Man, I was way off. I'm glad I didn't meet him in person because I would have called him Errol. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane. Sticking in the SEC West. Obviously, Alabama had their big uh, spring game there on Saturday, and uh, you know it was uh, it was an okay affair. But a lot of people came away thinking that Tua still hurt. I mean, Nick Saban got pretty pissed off at when he was asked about that. But I didn't think Tua looked that bad. I think they just kind of, you know, it was pretty vanilla and they held him back. Mm -hmm. my, my impression was all the backups, none of them looked to be near the caliber of Tua. And if Tua goes down, I don't know how successful Alabama's offense can be. Uh, what do you think on those comments? Yeah, I, I he doesn't like stories, man. He doesn't, he doesn't even want you to know their names. He just wants to be the red team. And that that's just Saban's mentality. And, uh, you know, cause when you create stars, then I'm sure it's a, it could be a problem in the locker room. And apparently he's had some issues with this in the past. So, um, I thought Tua was great to look healthy. He was, I, there's not a more accurate quarterback in this league than, than Tula, you know? So, I, I'm kind of curious about the backup situation, though, just because I didn't see a lot of separation. Uh, I think we lose two quarterbacks at the end of the season, though, uh, because they've got some real talent down there. Well, I don't know. I mean, you could be right. Mac Jones, I think he led the spring game here in yards, but I don't look at the stats for spring game. I think they're pretty much meaningless. Mm -hmm. But from what I understand, there was a scrimmage down there where he threw four interceptions. He threw a pretty bad pick in this spring game. 
I just don't think he's I mean if they're if they think he can come in and replicate what two is doing, even with these receivers, I think they got another thing coming. I think Talia, you know, Tua's younger brother, he looks like he's legit. I think it's just gonna be those. I think it's gonna be Talia and uh, you know, obviously you think Bear Bryant's what is this? Bear Bryant's grandson? I think it's his great grandson, Paul okay, Ty- Paul Tyson. So I'm I'm pretty sure he may stick around. I just think we're going to lose one of them. It's either going to be him, which I doubt, since Hale's great grandfather is Alabama. You know, you would think <laughs> maybe uh, Brown may just see the writing on the wall because they that like you said, uh, baby Tua looked pretty damn good at, at times. <laughs> you know, one thing I hate to criticize these guys because it was just a spring game, but one thing that I did not see. And I think Alabama's hoping that, uh, you know, they got the incoming freshman running back, Trey Sanders, that they think the world of. I think that he's going to need to step up because Najee Harris, I know a lot of people are high on him, but we're going into his junior year, Shane, and he was a five-star running back. I think he was like a top five overall prospect. I just don't see it from him. He's He doesn't make people miss. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're a running back going into your junior year, I mean, what more do we need to see? I mean, it's not like running back is that complicated of a position. He's flashed at times on the yeah. field, but I think if he's a dominant runner, he's a dominant runner, and, and we just haven't seen it, and I clearly didn't see it in the spring game. I thought I thought the offensive line did a good job blocking him, but he just, just seemed unable to make anyone miss. Maybe that's Alabama's defense just being outstanding, but – I don't know. I'm kind of out on Najee Harris. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm with you, Mike. And I think out of all the things that Alabama lost in this draft, I think Jacobs was the biggest one, one of the biggest ones, mm-hmm. because I think he would have been that that X factor back there. So you're right, man. They're going to have to get a young guy, which one thing you know about Bama, they always find another running back. It, it doesn't matter. And who knows? Najee may be the guy. I think he's got real potential. He's, I mean – Nick's got him back there for a reason, mm-hmm. and uh, but I, I think that, I don't know, the room's not as crowded as Nick would like, so don't be surprised to see some younger guys getting a lot more reps when, uh, when fall kicks off. Now, we mentioned this in our intro here, Nick Saban getting pissed off here about <laughs> two of a question. He got pissed off a lot of, during this presser, but the thing that seemed to get him the most heated was questions on Tua. Uh, so let's jump to what old Nick Saban had to say when asked about the health of Tua Tungavalua. But Tua is fine. Tua was fine all spring. I wish you all would quit trying to make something out of nothing because there's nothing to make out of it. So why don't you go talk to Dr. Kane right, and all those people? Because right, you obviously don't believe me. You don't believe me. I mean, I try to have honesty and integrity with you folks as much as I can, but you don't believe me, so go talk to Dr. Kane. Go talk to Jeff Allen. Keep trying to make something out of nothing. Nothing wrong with the guy. He can run fast. He can do everything. He went through the off-season program. So, and I thought he threw the ball with great velocity, just like he did before. And I don't see any difference. Do you? But I, two is fine. Two was. All right, Shane. He, he certainly didn't uh, <laughs> appreciate that <laughs> question, did he? Uh-uh. No. No, and Saban's banged up right now. He doesn't need to be raising his blood pressure either, Mike. <laughs> Got to fix that ticker next, you know? <laughs> so, uh, I just, I don't know. He doesn't, as, as much as they talked about quarterbacks in the offseason last year, that's the last, I mean, this is 
one of the last times you're going to hear from the the coach, you know, until media day. So he doesn't want, I mean, you're there for 11 minutes. Don't give him anything to chew on. You know what I'm saying? And that, that felt like he wanted to squash that. He didn't want to hear anything about Tua's health in the off season. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a storyline, though, just based on the fact <laughs> what I said with these backups. They don't, don't look like they're capable. You know, they don't have a Jalen Hurts to bail them out this year. Yeah. And I'm not saying they're gonna they're they're gonna need it because they may not. You know, I hope Tua's in there every game, but based on what we've seen in his career, he gets injured a lot. I don't know. I I hope it doesn't happen, but they're gonna they're gonna have to work around that. They're gonna put this guy in plastic wrap because they they're gonna need him next year if they're gonna win it all. Can I ask you something, Mike? Of course. I got sent something the other day, mm-hmm. and I don't know if this is true or not, but it came from College FTBL. Mm-hmm. And it was Tua on Jalen Hurts. Did you hear this on the Paul Feinbaum show? I don't know if this is true or not. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I heard it. Okay, is it true what he said? Jalen told me he hopes to see me in the playoffs. I told him I hope his ass doesn't get beat out by another freshman. Is that true? <laughs> no, that that part is not true. Oh, man, that's awesome, though. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. We still like you, Jalen. We just, you know, you left us. All right, Shane, final spring game here. Your boys on Rocky Top. What do you think? I mean, my my main impression here, I hate to say it, Shane, this offensive line still got a ways to go here if they're going to – Tennessee's going to be competitive. Whoa, buddy. I'm telling you what. The one thing about this offensive line, and and this is something you talked about – I don't know if out of those five starters, if more than two will be the starters next season. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of fact, but you're looking at, you know, uh, what's his name coming back there at center? Um, Brandon God. Kennedy. Yeah, Kennedy coming back. You got Wright's not even on the campus. They're even projecting him as a tackle. You got you got Trey Smith uh, that's got some stuff that he's working through. So there's – you know, there's a lot of factors, and one of the things Coach really talked about was getting some weight on these guys. So this offensive line, even though struggled at times, may look totally different this time next year, which are uh, in fall practice. So, and I hope because if not, I swear Jalen better put some more weight on because he's going to get killed. I mean, <laughs> he is going to be running for his life if these guys don't get bigger and better. So, uh, but. That being said, I will tell you there was a lot of good things, Mike. Uh, I like Banks ran mm-hmm. hard. I, I like. What do you of think this. of what do you think of him trucking? A, uh, there was a damn linebacker with a non-contact jersey, and Jeremy Banks just trucked his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Again, linebackers, if you if you can't get touched, you shouldn't be on the field, man. Uh, you know the guy's not afraid of contact. I love the freshman. Um, uh, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Crouch. Mm-hmm. I think he is going to be a beast. Uh, he he had some great plays, uh, made a couple of mistakes, but that's that's to be. Th- I mean, he is a freshman, so um, I thought some of the play from the secondary looked good. I thought, you know, Garantano had a rough start, but you got to remember this was ones against ones. Not a lot of teams are doing this, so the competition was a little bit harder for him. And uh, but he still managed to throw what five touchdowns. Or four touchdowns? Four touchdowns, no interceptions. He was the MVP. Uh, You know, one guy that really caught my attention from this one, Shane, was the defensive back Jalen McCullough. Another true freshman 
two interceptions. Uh, you know, he looked outstanding. And, it, you know, Jawan Jennings looking healthy. And, mm-hmm. and it took him a little while to find him. And that's what that's what they got to have because Palmer and Callaway, they're great. Uh, they're great receivers. But you got to have somebody like Jawan that's just a target machine. And so if they can start doubling up on him, that opens up Callaway and Palmer to do, do things. So, um, I just, I don't know. Overall, I, I wasn't, I wasn't like overly impressed, but I felt better than I did about my team this time last year. Yeah. Another guy we should credit there, Shannon Reed. I believe he had a dozen tackles. He knocked down a couple passes, the inside linebacker there. So he looks like a player, mm-hmm. but I guess my main concern is just, like I said, the line of scrimmage. I mean, this is obviously a line of scrimmage league. Yeah. If they don't have this offensive line going, you make a good point. Most of the guys that are going to be starting may not even have been, <laughs> you know, out there on the field. But that's so that's telling me they're only going to have a couple of weeks of actual camp to get these guys ready. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. that's a huge red flag for me. Def- and the defense, yeah. I mean, we don't even Aubrey's even going to play. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm worried about the defensive front as well. Yeah, and so those are obviously two of the biggest. Uh, in addition to quarterback areas, you don't want to have questions. It's not to say that Tennessee is not going to have answers, but the fact that I don't have any answers for you at those positions right now, that's going to give me a cause for concern. And that's something uh, Jeremy Pruitt hit on. <laughs> you know, he, he actually brought some jokes here to the presser, Shane. He was asked about the two most improved players in camp. And we're going to jump to those comments, and then he's going to talk about the offensive line here. Again, the mo- because you can't hear the question. The first one is awesome. They asked him why did Batuli and uh, uh, who was the other one? I think it was uh, Josh Palmer, the receiver. Yeah, Palmer. Why did they get the most improved? Okay, all right, go ahead. Well, they they were the most improved guys. Uh, so. What did you like about him? Oh, okay. Well, I mean, so. You know, starting with with Palmer, um, you know, uh, he he hadn't played a lot of ball, right? So I think T's done a really good job, kind of challenging him every day to be be more physical. Um, you know, to to learn more than one position. Um, you know, to be stronger uh, at with releases, uh, to have strong hands. Um, you know, and and make more contested catches. You know, in this league. Nearly every ball is contested, so you, you've got to have strong hands and to do that. And I think he's, he's done um, much better this spring. You know, Daniel, um, to me, I think has done a really good job. I thought he started off slow the first probably three practices of spring, but then he has really made strides. Uh, he's always been a tough guy and played with good physicalness, uh, but he's worked on his pass rushing. He's worked on covering guys. I think he showed a lot more instincts. He's tried to quarterback the defense this spring. Uh, he's played really hard all spring, so and it, and it shows up. He shows up every single day. Well, it was probably similar. Uh, we got more guys that ha- that have an opportunity to contribute right now than we had last year. Okay, uh, here's the but. Okay, but we've got to learn to to compete harder. Okay, we got to play with better pad angles. Okay, got to be lower uh, with our body. Uh, we got to take the correct steps. Um, we got to be finishers. 
Um, too many times today, you know, and it and it, it's not like today's a surprise. You know, we we've had some good, some let me say better days than others. Um, but I think we got guys up front if if they will challenge their self, okay, and look themselves in the mirror every day that they go out there uh, for the next 12 weeks to work hard to improve. You know, you can do a lot as an offensive lineman by yourself. You know, they put sleds out there on those, um, you know, or put uh, dummies on those sleds every day, you know. So whether you're going to take a zone step, a stretch step, you're going to work a double team, you can do all that on your own, you know, and, and, and we need guys to do that. Uh, they, they need to have pride in their performance and go work hard this offseason. We need a really good offseason at every position. So we got some guys that need to improve their strength. Um, and I think Craig um, and Rachel, some of it's girth, right? So they've done a really nice job in this offseason in the last year. So I don't think that will be an issue moving forward. I mean, <laughs> I think you could tell spring is spring's over, Shane, and Pruitt's uh, he's ready to laugh again. Yeah, that's good. That was, I mean, because he does not joke. He's a lot like Saban, so when he does, I think it's ten times funnier than it probably is. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you expecting Darnell Wright? And I know Trey Smith. ESPN was saying Trey Smith projected start. I don't know where they're getting that from, but. Do you anticipate – let me ask you this, Shane. Darnell Wright, true freshman. Wanya Morris, true freshman. Any concern there that two freshmen starting at tackles or are you of the mindset, hell, they've got no better option. They, they may be freshmen, but, hell, let's, let's take our lumps here and, and develop them into star players. Hell, yeah, I'm worried. When's the last time you heard a championship team say, you know, we started two freshman tackles, you know, and, and it worked out all right. So – I, I am concerned, and it's a lot like – you remember when Rich Rod was talking about his team? Mm -hmm. These these boys, if they want to make a difference, I mean, they're going to have to bust their ass for 12 weeks. A lot of these guys, a lot of these teams, you know, because you're, you're kind of cutting them loose. You know, there's times you meet with your strength and conditioning coach and you're getting ready. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of times that they don't have their hands on you, and, and it's a lot of accountability. And if these boys don't really put the time in in the off season, it's going to show, you know. So that's that's the one I, I want to see these guys bulk up because they are small right now. I haven't even seen right, and to project him as a starter is the craziest thing I've heard. I hope he does, you know. But I, hell, I thought JJ Peterson would be a, a beast by now, you know. So <laughs> you can't read into the newspaper clippings, Mike. <laughs> no, you cannot, because old JJ, I don't, he wasn't even on the field on Saturday. So I uh, check his email every day to make sure he's still on the team. <laughs> Sorry, Jay, if you're listening. All right, Shane, you got anything else before we top off here? No, kind of a long one. Um, I appreciate everybody hanging out with us. And if you got yourself an iPhone, those rating and reviews really do help us. We did get a couple of ghost reviews, Mike, so a couple of five-star hearts. I don't know who they are, but they do, and I appreciate them, each and every one of them. So uh, that's all I got, man. All right, Shane, thanks for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for listening, tuning in. We really appreciate it. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols. Tiger Woods, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>